today on It's Time. I love this about the Bible. It's more accurate. It's got what you need to know today that's going to happen tomorrow. I hear the calling. It's time. It's time. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler. Pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. So turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. Chapter 11, then I was given a reed like a measuring rod and the angel of God and the angel stood saying, rise, measure the temple, the altar and those who worship there. Wow. Told him to measure the temple. Does anybody see a problem with this? There ain't one. There's no temple yet. They're going to build one. I was there in Jerusalem, Israel at the, uh, Temple Institute, group of people dedicated solely for the restoration and building a new temple on the, the mount there in Israel where the Dome of the Rock Mosque is. And we know that they want to do this. And by the way, by measuring something, you're declaring that this is your property. And I, I just, this, just, I don't know why I'm even sharing this. It might be for you. If you're buying a piece of property, get it surveyed. You may not be buying what you think you're buying. It's a really weird thing. I've had this happen to me a couple times. Get your property. But Mike, that costs an extra couple thousand dollars. That is cheap compared to the consequences of buying something you don't think, that you think you're getting that you're not getting. When you measure something, you're declaring, this is my parameter. This is my border. This is where I'm going to be. The angel told him to measure the temple. Notice again, now again, measure the temple. There's no temple there. Why isn't there a temple there? Well, because Titus in 70 AD, this general, not the book of Titus, but this, uh, destroyed it. This is what makes the prophecy of Jesus in in Luke chapter 21, that Jerusalem would be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. It is really, when you look at it, the prophecy when Jesus gave it was ridiculous. Because Jerusalem was under Jewish control when Jesus said that. And yet Jesus says that it's going to be restored and Jerusalem will come under Jewish control again. That was ridiculous. How can that be? Well, then the prophecy even becomes more ridiculous. Because of the rebellion, and this is when Jesus fell under the weight of the cross, and everybody was crying, he said, don't weep for me. As he's on his way to be crucified, he said, weep for your children. As he saw that day when that general, Titus, came in and leveled and burned the city of Jerusalem and tore down the temple completely. In fact, the, the historians tell us that when army came in, Titus's army, the Romans came in and destroyed the city of Jerusalem, they made such waste of it, they had a hard time determining even where the Temple Mount was. 
because they had torn it down. It was just a heap of ruins. They were able from other things to, because of the Jews knew the, the topography of it, where Solomon's porch was and these other things, they, they were able to reconstruct and they knew where this temple mount was. But he destroyed it. And yet Jesus has the audacity to say, Jerusalem will be under Jewish control again. But you know what, friends? Jerusalem is under Jewish control. Our current president made sure of that when he declared that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel to the world. Several other nations have come along and joined. Of course, those that are hostile to Israel will not accept Jerusalem as being the capital of Israel. But the Bible says Jerusalem will be under... But you know something else it says in uh, Luke chapter 21? He said that the generation that sees this is the last one. Wow. Now this is weird. Jesus said in Luke 21, the generation that sees Jerusalem come back under Jewish control again, when it was completely annihilated, and yet it still exists, Jesus said, you're the last generation. Remember who you are. Never forget. That's why the clock is ticking, friends. Now, the Bible here says there's going to be a temple. There's no temple there. Do you realize that right now at the Temple Institute in Israel, they are getting everything ready and waiting for the go-ahead to build their temple on that temple mount? What's the problem with that? Well, we've got a problem. We've got the Dome of the Rock Mosque in the way. Well, evidently, somebody's going to bomb it and destroy it. And then Israel can build their temple. Let's read on. I love this about the Bible. It's more accurate. It's got, it's got what you need to know today that's going to happen tomorrow. So this is, this is uh, um, real news, not fake news. This is real news. Leave the outer court. Leave out the court that is outside the temple. And don't measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread on the holy city for 42 months or three and a half years. He said, don't measure outside the temple. It's been given to the Gentiles. That's weird. I don't think the Dome of the Rock Mosque is going to move. In fact, as it says here, it's been given to the Gentiles. Who gave it to the Gentiles? Hmm, things that make you go, hmm. Well, it's interesting that to the north and to the east of the Dome of the Rock Mosque, there on the Temple Mount, Jerusalem, Israel, there's 11 to 15 acres of nothing but trees and sidewalks. Just sitting there. And upon further investigation, they don't believe the original temple was there where the Dome of the Rock Mosque is today, but actually more towards the north and to the east. Because you can't look in through the eastern gate that the Bible says, as Jesus did when he came into the temple, when he descended on the Mount of Olives. So the, the placement of the Dome of the Rock Mosque is wrong. But it said it was given to the Gentiles. Who gives the Temple Mount Dome of the Rock Mosque on Israeli property, mind you, to the Gentiles. It's interesting, the Bible says that the man called the Antichrist will make a covenant with Israel. 
And most people believe it's concerning this exact thing, that who signs that treaty with Israel to give them permission to rebuild their temple there on the Temple Mount and to give the Dome of the Rock Mosque to the Arabs for their own worship. There you have this man that's come on the world scene that's able to reconcile the Jews and the Christians and the Muslims all on the same time, a place of worship. And the man of peace has instituted this, and the Bible says he'll be hailed as the world's Messiah. And the Bible tells us that Israel buys into the lie. In fact, the Israel says that they become best friends with this man of peace known as the Antichrist. Why are they so vulnerable to accept this Antichrist? Because they rejected the Prince of Peace. I'm amazed the lies that people will believe once they rejected the truth. I've always been amazed by that. People will walk away from Christ and they will accept all kinds of things. Well, I don't want to pray to God who made everything. I'm going to pray to this rock. Yeah, hi, rock. You're my God. Cool. You think I'm kidding? Have you been to an AA meeting lately? All you have to do to be an AA is to say that there's a higher power than you. Your higher power can be a doorknob. Your higher power can be a light bulb. Oh, thank you, light bulb, for shining on me. I'm serious. See, I don't really believe so much in a 12-step program as in a one-step program. Jesus said, you must be born again. Well, the thing is, I do believe in a one-step program with support called the church. I think it does amazing things for an individual. But here it tells us, don't measure the outer court. It has been given to the Gentiles, and they will trot on the city of Israel for three and a half years or 42 months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Now, these are the two witnesses that you hear about. And these two come on the scene in the city of Jerusalem to do what God tells them to do. Now, you have 144,000 Jews, seal of God on their foreheads, Revelation chapter 7. And here you find two more witnesses. Now, you also have angels flying through the midst of heaven, warning people not to take the mark of the beast. We're going to get up a little bit farther on that when we get a couple more chapters, when we get up to chapter 13. But when we understand that you've got angels warning people on the earth, don't take the mark. You're selling your soul out to the devil. Don't do it. And you have the two witnesses doing similar things, warning people of the earth. And you have the 144,000 that the Bible says are his servants doing his will. He says, I will give power to my two witnesses. And so God's going to empower them supernaturally. And these are the two olive trees to the lamp and two lampstands standing before God of the earth. Now, again, this is a kind of an interesting thing because these olive trees, you find mentioned in Zechariah 4.2, but it's kind of a funny thing. Uh, there are lampstands and they had like a tree and the olive, juice, olive oil would go right into the lampstand. So it'd be like a kind of a perpetual thing. You know, you had the, the tree oil feeding the lamps, the lamps burning bright. The tree would keep growing, keep producing. Okay. It says, if anybody wants to harm these two witnesses, literally, 
Fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, they must be killed in this manner. So I don't know whether they lob a hand grenade at them and the hand grenade bounces off and comes back and blows up the one who threw it. I don't know. But the Bible says they're divinely protected. And these have power to shut up heavens so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over the waters to turn them to blood, to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Wow. These guys are some powerful dudes. Who are they? Who are these two witnesses? Don't know for sure. One we know is Elijah. Jesus said that Elijah comes before the great and notable day of the Lord. Interestingly enough, uh, Elijah in the Old Testament didn't die. The Bible says he was caught up in a whirlwind like a fiery chariot. So I genuinely believe Elijah is one of them. Who's the other one? Some people say it's Moses because of the plagues. Notice it says they turn the water to blood or strike the earth as often as they desire, things like that. I don't know about that. It could be Enoch. The Bible says who walked with God and was taken before the flood. You have somebody before the flood representing the Gentiles. You have Ezekiel, excuse me, you have um, Elijah representing the Jews um, after the flood, I don't know. When I see this about the waters turning to blood and striking the earth, all I can say, if, it, if it's not Moses, I do know for one thing, it's the same God who does these kinds of things. Now notice is when their testimony was finished, the beast that ascends out of the earth, out of the bottomless pit, will make war against them and overcome them and kill them. Now, a couple things here when their testimony is finished. By the way, friends, same thing can be said for you. You're indestructible until your testimony is finished. Nothing can harm you until God is done with you. And always remember that. When God said your ministry is done, they were allowed to be killed. Now, this is really strange. Their dead bodies will lie in the streets of that great city, which is called Sodom, city of immorality, and Egypt, a symbol of slavery, where our Lord was crucified. Very clearly, it is Jerusalem. It's not New York. It's not London. It's where our Lord was crucified. But notice the description of Jerusalem at this point. They are riddled with immorality, and they're riddled with slavery. Slavery to stuff. And they just lay there. But it says, then those peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and will not allow their bodies to be put into the graves. Wow. Notice it says something here. If you like to underline things in your Bible. And then those from peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations. Notice plural again, not talking about just the Roman Empire. It's plural. This is why this did not happen in 70 AD. It says the world sees them laying dead. Live from Jerusalem, Israel, CNN reports. This talks about some kind of a a medium that they didn't have in those days. What would they do? Draw a picture of them lying in the streets and then here, now run to the next village and then that runner runs to the next village and then you, you get on the Pony Express and run to them, you know. How, how did they, how did you do, how do you do this within three days? 
The whole world sees them lying dead in the streets of Jerusalem. This tells me about satellite communications, friends. No other way around it. This is such a description of the future. How else could you describe where the whole world sees them lying dead in the streets of Jerusalem? And they don't bury him. Why don't they bury him? I think they're so glad they're dead. Hey, look, here's proof. Let's do a zoom in. Hey, buddy, can you get a, get a close-up of his face? I can just see these guys all over. Uh, talk about fake news media. Man, I'll tell you, they're going to be all over this. Because these guys were striking the earth with plagues as often as they wanted. They had control over the water. They had control over all these things. And they're dead. Yeah, they're dead. The prophets are dead. And notice it says, And those that dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, literally being dead, making merry and sending gifts to one another because these two prophets that tormented those who dwell on the earth. Wow. The prophets are dead. Here, have a present. I read a story one time where somebody in a Christmas card used this verse in a Christmas card, be merry and give gifts to one another. Way out of context. Well, here it says, they were happy the prophets are dead. Probably celebrating like Christmas time. Here I have a gift, the prophets are dead. Now notice it says, now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God enters them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. I would imagine so. Everybody's exchanging gifts, having a good time. Hey, the prophets are dead. No more plagues. Yay, you have a present. Whoa, what's going on here? They just stood up. But friends, it gets better. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, come up here. And they ascended into heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. Wow. But can you imagine being a a, a reporter and and being told to stay on him as they're ascending into heaven? And then what happens is incredible. Verse 13, that same hour, a great earthquake, a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 men were killed and the rest were afraid to give glory to the God of heaven. Imagine they still are so hard-hearted they won't change. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. The seventh trumpet. And the seventh angel sounded. Now again, this chapter 10 gives us in the days of the seventh trumpet, now the seventh trumpet starts. And I believe, friends, this is where the transition from man's reign to God reign takes place. And this is why. Seventh angel sounded, there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the worlds have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped saying, you have, we give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, who was who is and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned, the nations were angry and your wrath has come. At that time, the dead, at that time, the dead should be judged. 
and that you should reward your servants and prophets and your saints and those who feared your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple, and there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and earthquakes and great hail. The prophets in the streets of Jerusalem, they're taken up. God said everything he's going to say. And now comes this great transition. What's interesting, when we get into chapter 12, you're going to find Israel mentioned again. And then we're going to find the war in heaven. Now, you don't picture heaven as having a place of war. But the Bible says there is. And this is where Satan is finally cast out of heaven. His access to heaven is no more. The Bible tells us that he's a fallen creature. He lost his position. Jesus said, I I, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. But he's still able, the Bible says, to go and accuse the brethren day and night. And that's what he does. When the devil sees something wrong that you do, he goes as a, as a, as a, a tattletale and says, did you see what they did? And God says, yes, but I died for that person. They're okay. And the devil's mad and he comes down and he then brings your past to you and accuses you. He doesn't get anywhere in heaven with it. But the Bible says he has this access into heaven still and has not been revoked. But in Revelation 12, his access to heaven is finally done. He's not going to be found there anymore. He's on his way to the eternal lake of fire. We're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. But when we look at this, we realize God's mercy endures forever. Even in the prophets, the idea of the prophets is not to punish the world. It's to demonstrate that there is a God. You're not him and you need to repent. That was the whole purpose of God's word. But yet their hearts are hardened. In fact, as we read up further, we're going to see just how hard people's hearts really get. Can you see that today? I think we can. But God's got something great for those that will say, yes, God, I'm sorry, and I repent. When I look at this, I don't want to see anybody go through this, friends. Believe me, there are days when I just don't want to do anything. But then I look at this and I realize that, hey, I'm just one more mouthpiece, just like you in a world before God's judgment and how important you are to the kingdom of heaven. Never forget who you are in him. Never forget you're divinely protected by him to do a job for him until our testimony is done. And then either the rapture will come or we'll go individually. I don't know. But whatever it is, we have completed what God has called us to do. That's what God has said to us. This morning, I pray you have that directive in your life. Because if you don't, you're living your life foolishly. There's no eternal reward and you're wasting time for stuff that doesn't matter. But I have never, ever regretted anything I've ever done for God. If you want to live your life without regret, devote it to God. Let him do what he wants to do in your life. Remember this, God's plans for you are bigger than your plans for you. Let him have your life. You're going to be the one blessed. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you know, you've just been wasting your life. You know, I don't even have to tell you. You can go, yep, that's true, you know. Went to a party last Friday night. I had to ask my friend, did I have a good time? Well, that's the problem. Waste our life. But God doesn't want you to waste your life. If you want to get right with God this morning, let's pray.
You pray this, mean it in your heart. God will do as you ask because he's a good God. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I have lived foolishly. And I repent. So whatever time you give me left, God, is yours. I commit my life into your hands. So make me the best I can be for you. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. Wrap me now in your righteousness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And thank you for writing my name in your book of life. I commit my life now into your hands in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.